Welcome, welcome, welcome to Transformation of a Nation. I am yours truly, Dr. Rhonda Travis. Today I have on here my very special guest. She is a song, psalmist, songwriter, um, choreographer, uh, and she's a born-again believer. I know her personally. She is an amazing woman of God. Honored to have her on our show today. I'm going to get right into it. Um, many of you have heard some of her songs, and um, it, it, it uh, her video held today. And there's been so many comments, so much feedback. Hit the share button. I'm interviewing my spiritual daughter, uh, Miss Kiana Crook. Come on, y'all. Hit your share button. Welcome, 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 Kiana. How are you? Oh, man. You know what? I'm all right. I'm pressing, just like everybody else during this pandemic, pressing my way. Stay okay. Tell me, how have you been during the pandemic? How's it been with you? The pandemic for me, um, it's been up and down. Like uh, my emotions in the beginning were kind of high, you know, the fear hit everybody. It was a lot. Um, in the midst of it, God was able to kind of calm me. Um, and then I hit a, when the protest happened, I hit another emotional, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of turmoil. And then thank God for restoring the Israel Ministries. Got to tag it. Uh, thank God for you, mama. Um, the messages and everything, God was able to calm me back down. So I kind of been on that roller coaster, you know, but at the same time, just trusting God, uh, relying on the word. And that's not a cliche, that's real life. Because if it was not for the word during this time, oh Lord Jesus, old things would have slid on back in. Yes, old things would have come back up again. I, I do feel you on that. Yes. Um, you, you have been doing some great things. Um, the During the pandemic, how did you feel? You know, you had a set time for release. And oh my God, here comes the pandemic. What did that do to you emotionally? Did you, what did, tell me, tell me about that. It was one of those things where you literally get stuck in a state of hopelessness. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna keep it real. Like it wasn't like, you know, I am, oh, God is gonna do it and everything's gonna be great. No, I wasn't like that. I was like, God, are you kidding me? I was, I, me and daddy had to have a conversation. Like you putting me out for this? Like you telling me to release music during a time like this? How am I gonna do this? Like, what am I gonna do? And I remember him saying to me one day, everything you're saying is I, I, I. But is this about me or is it about you? Wow. It kind of shook me. You know what I'm saying? And I had to kind of bring things back into perspective. Like, okay, God, you're right. That's my bad. He was like, either you trust me to do this or you don't. You choose. And I had to make a decision that I'm going to trust God and I'm going to keep going regardless of what it looks like. And that's really what faith is. But if I'm honest, during that time, my faith was kind of sliding a little bit and I had to kind of pull myself back up. You know, I did. Yeah, I'm definitely in a better place now. <laughs> That's good. So with Black Lives Matter, the protest, COVID, everything, you you kept pushing your way through. And may I ask you, how did you end up working with Kenton Jones on your how did that come about? Okay, so um for those of you who don't know, back in 2018, God had asked me to do a 100-day fast. And I kicked and screamed. And that fast would lead me, of course, into 2019. I kicked and screamed and cried, God, why? You know, but I did. And then at the end of that 100 days, God told me to do one more 100 days. And by that time, I was in it. So it was easy for me to just be like, OK, God, yes, sir. So I did a 200-day fast. That led me up until about Mar the end of March of that year or May. No, it led me into May. Right after, I'm talking about the fast was over one week. The very next week, I had a friend of mine that I danced with years ago call me. And he was calling me because he always, from time to time, would ask me for advice about different things that he was doing, spiritually speaking. And he knew he could rely on me to tell him the truth, keep it real. And so he was talking to me about some church stuff. And I, he asked me, he said, before he got up the phone, he said, what do you need? 
And I was like, you know what I need? I said, right now I just need a manager. He was like, I know somebody. He put a call in and that person that he called, he called me back and said, he said, it's okay for you to call him. And I called him, that person ended up being um, Mr. Wendell Ralph with Songs Group, who actually has a distribution deal with Ingroup's Universal Music. He heard my music, we talked, and he was he, he said, let me pray about it. And that meant a lot to me for him to even say, let me pray about it. Because how many people do you talk to in the industry that say, let me pray about it? That's what's secular. And so yeah. he me back and said, God told him to take me on. So absolutely, he'll help me. And that's how everything happened. So he knew camp. And we talked about our recording. And when we talked about that recording, they were like, we need somebody, you know, in the industry to be a part of this feature. And he was like, I know the perfect person, Canton. I know him. I'll go talk to him. He talked to him. Canton came on board. And that's how we met. What was it like working with him? You know what? Honestly, he was literally like working with my brother-in-law, Gene Burroughs. Hilarious, fun, cut up, kept it real. Um, definitely had that um that this, you know, discernment and the prophetic work in him. So there were times in the studio where he would just straight up say things to me and I knew it was God speaking. You know what I'm saying? But it was all, I mean, we had a, a it was it was like a, a brother and sister marriage. Like we just clicked. It's like he understood exactly what I wanted in my music. He was able to give it to me. He was able to, co to connect me with the right people to do the things that he couldn't do. It was just like God just knew exactly what I needed. And for me, it was a blessing because I always had these ideas in my head and I would go to different studios, but they could never regurgitate it like I saw it in my head or like mm -hmm. I knew it in my ear. And he could give it to me and also, um, let me not forget the person who arranged all my music, um, Mr. Uh, I call him Willie. He and Canton were able to give it to me exactly the way I heard it in my ear or better. And so it was a blessing. It really was. Mr. Will Perry is his name. He did mm -hmm. So a 200-day fast. Somebody asks you what you want. Then end up being a manager. We ends up connecting you with Canton Jones. And here comes a great working relationship. Yes, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> that's very important. God is so important. And comes the records. Now, let me ask you, how did you start writing? And is there someone that is, a, you know, a song, you know, who sings in your family? Is that, is that you know, how does that work? My mom is a singer. I grew up watching my mom direct choirs. I grew up watching her lead every song in the choir with the choirs. Um, and then when she discovered that my sister Sandria could sing, um, she started grooming her. She put her in pianos. She put her in Betty Ford modeling school. She had her in all kinds of pageants. They would be up one, two in the morning. She had Sandra singing over and over. It was like that was her student. She was grooming her. And my um, sister, Sandria, she was in every pageant you could think of. And she would be like this little itty bitty thing in pageants with these grown women. And I'm talking about sing the house down, just everybody up. I mean, just a voice like Whitney Houston just beautiful and that's how I grew up. So I would just kind of be in the background outside playing basketball or whatever. And then one day I opened my big mouth and they got me in trouble. I'm in the shower, I'm singing, I used to love music. And I used to love to listen to music and learn the lyrics. And I was in the bathroom singing one day in middle school. My mom came home and caught me singing. And she threatened to whoop me told me that God was going to take the gift away if I don't be sinning. She can't believe I hid this from her. Oh, my God. And so she started making me back her and my sister up when they were singing at different events and functions. And it wasn't a choice. And she put me in piano, which I soon quit. But she put me in there. I learned enough to know how to play. And, um, yeah, she just made me sing. And then after getting tired of fighting with me, she just gave up and left me alone. Because I just didn't want to do it in the beginning. Um, the songwriting, 
um, came from depression. And that's just me being honest. I really? from depression most of my life um, up until um, I came to Restoring Years Global Ministries. I didn't even know what life was like without depression. Um, and so in order to deal with the, the mental stuff I was going through, I would write, I started writing poems. And then those poems soon turned into songs. And that's how I started writing. How do you hear, how do you hear that? I've al I always asked people that write and then they put their own music because you put your own music to your songs. Yes. How do you hear that? Um, if, 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 if you can answer that, how do you hear the, the, the music as well as the lyrics, the songs? Um, I think, okay, I think the first thing that makes songwriting easy for me is I sing what's on my heart. I don't make music to try to make a hit. I don't make music to try to make it fit something. I don't listen to other people's music and then go try to write mine. I just, what I'm feeling, I just write it down. So that's the first thing. The second thing is um, the first purification, I, God purification I went through was with music. I was 28 years old and God dealt with me. I watched a series of videos um, about music and God told me to throw everything I had out. So I threw all my CDs away. I had a huge CD collection, tapes, everything, um, downloads, and God told me to throw everything away. And he told me that if I want my music to be pure, that I had to purify so that my music wouldn't be contaminated. And I'm going to be honest with you, after I did that, I started, that's when that whole being asleep and God give me a song, I wake up out of a sleep with a full song. Or I could be um, riding down the street and I'll get a whole melody in my head and I'll just pick my recorder up and hum the melody. And then I'll come home and I, I can sit down and I can write to it. Sometimes I could be um, playing on the piano and God will just have, it'll be like chords are ringing in my head and I'll hit a chord and then it'll be like the spirit said, go down one. Like I know the other week I was hitting a chord and I was like, ooh. And then I heard the spirit said, go down one. And I went down and I was like, ooh. And I just kept going back and forth between those two. And then when I came back the next week, I heard the spirit say, walk it down. When I walked down, I found the next chord. As soon as I put those together, God gave me lyrics. So it's not like I, most of the time, it's not like I am sitting, writing something. God will either wake me up or he'll speak it to me. Or but it always is something that's on my heart. Does that make sense? And then the rest of it, of course, it'll come to a prophetic worship. So I'll be singing a song and praise and worship and the lyrics will drop. Or Minister Sandra will say, like Sunday, she said, it was five minutes of time for you guys to start prayer. And Sandra said, we didn't have a blood song. And I said, okay. And I sat in the chair and said, I just, just keep playing. And God just gave me lyrics. And so I started to serve God with a blood song he had just given me 10 minutes ago. Wow. So that's kind of how he deals with me. Um, the song anthem, I had written. God gave us the gave me the verse in the studio. He just popped it on me, boom. And we recorded it that day. But the verses, I was writing them on my way home, just writing on my own. Three in the morning, that next morning, God woke me up and told me to come downstairs in the music room and he gave me the verse. I had to throw away everything I've written. Wow. So that's kind of how minds. I can't speak to anybody else. Pastor Nick wants to come in and interview you as well. So we are oh. so proud of you. Okay. So one second. One yes. second. Yes. Okay. One second. <laughs> hey, Pop. All right. How you doing? Hey, Pop, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. So, what makes you different from, you know, and I've always often wondered about this about other artists. What makes you different from, you know, other artists? In the, like, in the sense of, you know, you have many people that strive to be singers, to be, you know, writers, to be psalmists or however, but what do you feel like sets you apart that, that makes you, you know, different, makes you stand out? 
I think what makes me stand out honestly is number one, the, the frequency of my voice. Because I think that when God anoints you to sing, he gives you a certain frequency. Mm-hmm. And I think that that frequency is your unique frequency. And I'm, I don't think I'm any better than anybody else. I think that every person that he calls to minister this music has their own frequency. And I think that what sets me apart is my own angelic frequency, the frequency in my voice, the power in my voice to bring healing and deliverance. Wow. Have you always known that? I mean, was that something that kind of came along the way? Was it just a point or a turning point in your life that, you know, that became clear? Um, I honestly just really came to really understand it in depth within that 200 day fast. Wow. In that fast, God dealt with me about a lot of things and whooped me real good about a lot of things. And one of the things that he got on me about is that that hatred that I had for years of my voice. And a lot of people don't know that um, I hated my voice for years. I hated the sound of it. I didn't even want to hear it played back to me. I would cringe. Um, because I always, unfortunately, coveted the clear sounding voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that that was a great voice and I wanted my voice to be clear. I wanted my voice to have that clear sound mm-hmm. and it never would. And it always had a jagged, jagged, rugged sound and a deep. And I just always thought it's, I always used to call myself, I don't know if y'all remember the Atari with the Frogger. Yeah. <laughs> I sound like Frogger. <laughs> And so um, I hated my voice and God dealt with me about that. And he scolded me and he said, if you hate your voice, that means you hate what I gave you. Um, and so I went through some process of healing from that. And in that 200 day fast, God dealt with me about my voice. And he told me that I, from this day forward, you need to appreciate and love what I gave you because I gave you the sounds of the angels. Mm-hmm. And it hit me. I cried. He was like, Nobody sounds like you. Yeah. And it's on purpose because your voice is for healing and deliverance. And he really talked to me about that and helped me to understand that about my voice. And I had to repent. I was very convicted and I had to repent. I will say this. I mean, and this is being totally honest, not because I know you, but I mean, just, you know, the sound of your voice is different, you know, and it's it's very melodic. It has a very calm tone, yet it captures the attention because you know, you're right, you don't hear that that tone very often. And this is in no way to compare you. This is just right. a very of, um, but it kind of puts me in the mind of, you know, when Tony Braxton first hit the scene. Yeah, I love her voice. And nobody could really, you know, it was kind of yeah, hard. Like but, you know, but that's, I think that's, but it's awesome and it's very anointed. And I think that's great. Um, the transparency that yeah. you have, would you say that, I know from your perspective or people that, that are watching, I know that will kind of make most artists very nervous, if not, you know, very careful because it's, you don't want to say too much because you don't want to be judged and want to be viewed a certain way. So how do you process that transparency of what you operate in? I, I don't. I've always um, said to myself, I do not want to live my life in people bondage. Hmm. Um, I know for a fact that the things that I have gone through mm-hmm. have helped other people. Yeah. So I feel like the transparency is the only way I can help anybody. I can't help anybody if I'm not going to tell them the truth. And the other thing is I live my life growing up watching a bunch of hypocritical Christians, a bunch of hypocrites in church. And I vowed to myself when God told me that this is what I was supposed to do, that I would never be that hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? That means that I also got to be honest about my flaws. Mm-hmm. And if people see, and if they always think that you got to be perfect, why would they even want to get saved in the mm-hmm. first place? Because everybody's struggling with something. And I'm mm-hmm. always honest about what I'm going through, what I'm struggling with, because at the end of the day, I want people to have hope. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they're not going to have hope if they feel like your life is perfect. Yeah, it's true. And they ain't going to talk to you. That's true. I think that makes you even more of a authentic uh, 
artists as a whole because you make a very valid point. Most people are not as transparent, but they sing a different song. And when when the fans or when people see them out in that real moment, the two don't line up. But the fact that you write from a place of where you are, you're very transparent, you speak from where you are, then you know that's what you produce. And I think that's amazing. That is amazing. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that I is try. awesome. I try. I'm just, you know, I, sometimes I embarrass folk. I'm honest, like, they be like, oh my God. My husband be like, oh, I gotta break myself or what she gonna say. <laughs> but I'm, I am who I am. And believe it or not, my parents are the same way. Like, I just come from a family of, they just, they real. They, it, like, we are the definition of 100. Like, yeah. we say whatever. It's right, wrong, and indifferent. And, and you have to be all right with um, what comes with that. And I've had to be all right with that. Have I been had lonely days? Yup. Have I been abandoned because of my mouth? Yup. Have <laughs> I probably hurt some people? Yup. But at the end of the day, I'm honest. If you come to me and say you, I, I, you hurt me, I'm always like, that's my bad. That wasn't my intention. I'm not a malicious person, but I am who I am. I stay. And I believe in the report of the Lord. Like I believe in God and I'm a stand for that. And ain't, and I don't have no room for compromise. So a part yeah. of that is being transparent. That's all right. This may be a little, you know, very, very edgy question I'm about to ask you next. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel that this, um, this field, I guess, if you can say that in terms of um, artists that are saved or let's say those that say they're artists, they just happen to sing Christian music what would you say that the thing that's lacking the most in that particular genre of music? I think that, um, okay, this is my honest answer. I think that sometimes when we don't make it in secular, in the secular world, mm -hmm. you go to the gospel world because they'll accept you. But that don't mean that you're anointed to do this. Right. So what happens sometimes not all the time, sometimes, is you get people that are in this industry as a career, it's not niche. Okay. So, because they fail on the other side. Um, other situations are just people are flawed and they're going through. And I believe, I know for myself, I was in church all my life and I was a hellman. Okay. So, if you take somebody like me undelivered and put me in the industry, what you think gonna happen? Yeah, I'm in church. Yeah, I'm living, you know, I'm 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 staying on the praise team, working in the children's ministry, but I'm undelivered. What you think you're gonna get? I think sometimes people just get put up too quick. But I think the other problem is that we're not teaching the whole Bible in churches, but people aren't getting everything they need to be successful in this walk. And I don't necessarily blame the gospel artists all the time. I blame the leaders. I blame the parents. I blame the grandparents. Because you got to think, I didn't get it. You know, I didn't know anything about being delivered and healed. I heard the words, right? But I had never been, I had been in several churches and never gotten healed, never got delivered, never dealt with my demons. You know what I'm saying? So imagine all the other people who are in that same situation, but they got a record deal. But they got, you know, they were able to get into the industry early, you know, yeah. but they got, mm -hmm. they got delivered. People dealing with a lot of stuff, you know, and so some people just end up, you know, wayward <laughs> in the industry because they're still battling with the whole thing. Yeah. So what is that thing that keeps you balanced? I mean, having having this knowledge, having watched these things and see these things unfold, what is that thing that keeps you, you know, Kiana, balanced to? Um, I guess for lack of better words, to assure that as you continue to rise and become more of a household name and famous, to keep that from being a situation for you. Uh, you know that song? We are family. I got all my sister with me. Accountability. Like, that's the only thing going to keep because I ain't perfect. Because I'm still one of the ones who want to punch somebody in the face sometimes. I still, you know, deal with that aggression. I, that's what I come from. But I have solid accountability. I got you, mom. I got you, pop. I got my sisters, you know, um, my praise team, my, you know, everybody in my ministry that, 
gonna tell me, uh, keep your first thing. Like, no, you don't need to do that. And I thank God for that because I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. And I am just one of those people, I am very accountability driven. Like, I need people to tell me, I need somebody in my ear. Um, because I'm without Jesus, I'm gonna feel the red, and sometimes with him, I am. <laughs> so I need help, and I think that that's one of the, the biggest. I think that's one of the hardest things in this industry, especially when people put you up on a platform to bow mm. down to accountability. Mm. That's real good. But I think if you start with it and you keep those people in your life, then it's easier to adjust as you go up. Mm-hmm. But if you go up and you never had accountability and everybody singing your praises and telling you how because I was there. A lot of people don't know before I was in the gospel industry, I was in a secular industry, which is how I even got to Atlanta. We were with the three girl group called Premonition, me, my sister, and one other girl who were open for artists. We were, I mean, doing a lot of big things and we would have made it if we stayed. I just and my sister, we just Hated it. We were miserable. So you're in this industry, but I saw the praises. I understood how people, you know, would get on stage. We won everything we were in. Talent shows, anything, showcases, anything we were in, we won it. Wow. And people were singing our praises, and you high, and everybody would do whatever you want them to do, but you go on there watching the walls cave in. You miserable. So without accountability, how did you how did you navigate that? Mm-hmm. It's no way to navigate that in a healthy way if you don't have solid accountability. All you got is yes men around me. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that. I need people to tell me, don't do that, don't take that deal. That ain't good. I don't care how quick you're gonna fly up. Like I need people to tell me so that I can do it right. One of the things that God um when he first came to me, I was 22 years old, walking around outside, battling depression, and get out of my head. I, I was just going through a lot mentally. I was walking around the parking lot, and I always would carry a pen and a pad with me because when I told you I walked, I woke through my depression. And I remembered, I started, I, I got a melody in my head, and I got words, and I wrote them down. The first gospel song I ever wrote in my life called The Sweetest Thing. I got the words, God gave me the words, the melody, everything. And I looked at the paper and I was like, this in my mind. And I heard the spirit say, this is what you're going to be doing with your life. And I looked at it. Now, mind you, I'm still in a sexual group. And I looked at it, I was like, and I said it out loud. I said, no, I'm not. And the spirit said, yes, you are. I said, but this is gospel music. And the spirit said, and that's what you're going to be doing with your life. And I said, God, I don't want to do this. I knew it was God. I said, I don't want to do this because I don't want to be another hypocrite in church. And, wow. and, and I said, and God said, and you will not. That's what he said. He said, and you will not. And I said, well, when I close my eyes and think, I said, I want people hand, hands raised on their knees. I want people to really be having an experience with you or I don't want to do it. And he said, so shall it be. I'll never forget that. I was 22 years old. I'll never forget it. So that's who I am. I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I just don't. I would rather not do it at all. Where did Love Letter come from on your album? Oh, man. <laughs> love Letter came from, first of all, it was prophetic worship. But during that time, I was in one of the worst spaces I had been in in a while. Um, going through my body. Just trying to understand where is my life going? I'm getting older in years. Just seems like nothing's working out. And I just got reminded of for a moment of how fortunate I am. And it was like a moment of, but did you still love me though? Mm. And so my response to that doing prophetic worship one Sunday was God. I'm hurting, but I just want you to know it don't matter. You still are my everything. I still love you. I still acknowledge your mercy. I still acknowledge your grace, even in this. And I just need you to know I'm hurting. I'm, I'm a little angry. 
and I'm hurting, but I need you to know that it don't matter. I just love you and I'm not going nowhere. And that's where that song came from. And it actually was birthed at my church doing praise and worship. Um, it was one of those days where I came to church and I wanted to say, I don't even think I should sing today because I ain't in the right place. <laughs> I had to say it anyway. It was one of the young days. And it came out and I just started, I gave me the lyric and I just started singing it. And when I got home, he just gave me the ring. Like it was just like, boom, it wasn't even a thought. It was no God, he gave it to me. You see us here, we're like two proud parents because right. it wouldn't be right for me to do the interview without Pastor because we watched your journey and just so proud of you and you are accountable and you do ask questions and you are humble enough. You're not, you, you know, you ask questions, but why? But this, and you, but you listen to wise counsel. And that's what makes um, pastoring uh, people uh, honor is when they listen to wise counsel. And that's one thing I can say, we both can say, and accountability. You're very much an example of that. Amen. I'm just grateful because Lord knows uh, restoring the years came into my life in the nick of time. Okay. In the nick of time. So I'm just grateful because I remember what I was going through when I met you. Um, I was so like, I, I, honestly, I was probably at the place where it was time for me to admit myself to a clinic. Like it was that bad. And um, me and my husband were going through the worst part of our marriage. We were separated, living in the same house, already divided the furniture, already had an um, apartment waiting for me that was going to be cleaned out in the next couple weeks. Like it was just, it was one of those, like it was just the roughest time of my life. And, um, I came and I met you and I never forget Mother Rose who could see through muddy water. And um, I just remember the day that you prayed over me. And that was the first day that I could sleep. I had insomnia real bad because of the depression. And I was the first day that I slept through a full night. I never forget it. It was like somebody had lifted 20 pounds, 20,000 pounds off of my back. Um, and it was the last day that I saw the walls closing in on me, literally. I don't know. I know some people, depressed people, and they don't think it's a big deal, but the different ebbs and flows of that, you would never understand unless you go through it, literally seeing walls going like this, standing all day. People don't even understand. Um, and I remember, um, excuse me, I'm getting emotional, but it's okay. I remember. Um, when um, when God stripped the basketball from me, and I remember sitting in my room one day and I was writing, and my poem was entitled, I feel like I'm living just to die. And mm. I'll never forget that. And so when I came into this ministry and I got delivered and I started seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, it was everything for me. Because there were a lot of days where I felt like I wasn't going to make it. And the sickness that I was dealing with in my body was a big part of that. Being in pain all the time. And I just didn't understand why I kept having to be tormented and tortured. But I remember, you know, slowly but surely as I was going through deliverance in, in your ministry, I was able to come off all my pain pills. And I remember, you know, um, the, 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 uh, because I was familiar with the issue of blood, I remember the blood flow drying up and, you know, 14 days turning into seven, seven days turning into five, you know, um, I just remember my life just slowly getting back on track, my body being healed, coming off all my medications. I always say people just don't know what you had to go through, you know, to get to this place. You know, the, the pain, the torment, but God, you know, so when I wrote Love Letter, it was like, God, I'm going through, but I already started the business, so I'm going to keep pressing my way. And I know you love me, and I love you, too. That's just where I was. My God. Well, through all of that 200 days of fasting, the marriage, the sickness, Pandemic came, your album, your release date and everything. And all of a sudden, 
your very first album and you are in the top 100. <laughs> you are in the top 100 on your first album. You didn't have all the publicity, the commercialing as we would normally have what most artists have, you know, because of the pandemic. But nevertheless, God, so talk to me about that. Honestly, it was the Lord, because I'm going to tell you, I always say people don't even really know who I am yet. I don't know how I got here. But God said he would make a way out of no way. And um, my uh, my radio promoter, she's working hard, and she just keeps telling me, be patient with her. Um, she helps um, her, my manager, they kind of help me understand how the industry works. Um, and I was able to really understand it as, as I was explained to about, you know, how they pay them and different things like that. And I just told them, I'm just going to go with God. Like, I'm, I'm going to do what God's doing. Like, I, I'm not going to pay to do this. If God can't do it, it ain't going to be done. You know? Um, but You're I'm, independent. I'm independent. Everything is out of my pocket. And God is doing it. People have donated. Um, I'm telling you, last week I got a phone call from a lady um, who I'm, I've known for years. Um, I taught her daughter years ago. It's been a minute. I got a, um, a call from her. She was like, um, I've got some money sent to me. I don't need it. I want to donate to your ministry. I mean, people have just been, I mean, it wasn't a $100. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, what in the world? Like, I, People have just been blessing and making sure that I can pay these people, pay to get this stuff done. Um, I, I, I don't know how it's getting done. I don't know what's going Because I'm not working. The pandemic hit, I lost my business, literally. So I don't have an income coming in. <laughs> and the crazy thing was, in January, during our church fast, God told me that this was my last semester doing this. And I didn't, it didn't register until the pandemic hit. And then the bottom dropped out. All my classes were canceled, all, everything was canceled. So to be able to still continue, thank God for my parents who support me financially. They've been blessing me, they've been rooting for me. My mama down in Orangeburg, like the uh, crack man on the side of the corner selling CDs. <laughs> Like mama, she said, "Uh, uh-uh, we got this music out." She down, she sell, she done sold more CDs than I have. I mean, but they believe in me, and I thank God for them. But people have just been blessing me, pouring into me. Um, I thank God. My hairstylist, my makeup artist, they were pouring into me so in time. You know what I'm saying? I just thank God for everybody that has been like blessing me. My media guy. Cam with propeller media group, he sold into me, blessing me, and my manager has been everything like a man, a true man of God, having my back, ride or die. You know what I'm saying? So he's pop number three, you know, <laughs> because he has really been Mr. Wendell Ralph, he has been oh, a gem, you know, lots of wisdom, you know, and just, just a major component in everything that's been happening. Can you play a little bit in the back of Anthem? Just a little bit so people can hear it for us. Uh, yes, ma'am, I could play a little bit. You can't be right, I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna worship I'm 
song. It's already just like you can hear it on the radio. It's like yeah. you just sing it. It just comes right off. Like it's been, it's 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 a it's natural. And you remember, I there was a, a couple of songs, and I said, "Who sings that?" You said, "That's my song." I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So you are a, a natural songwriter, natural singer. Um, we are so proud of you um, in this season. Um, the ministry, the church, your family. I know your family, beautiful family. Everybody is so proud of you. What do you want to see happen when you go into the music industry? Um, well, I hope this going to sound hard, but I want to see focus safe for real um, in the industry. But more importantly, my vision is to, it's more like revivals. Mm. I want to create an atmosphere like the old tent revivals where people can come get delivered, get healed. And all I'm doing is singing. You know, you have ministers in the front that people could come to for individual prayer. I, I, I want it to be like a hospital. And all I do is sing. It's all I do. Sing, people come up, they at the altar. People had a hard day at work. They know they're going to get something at night. You know what I'm saying? They could just come in, just lay on the altar. And all I'm doing is singing. And there'll just be ministers available if somebody needs personal attention. You know? Um, if God give me a word, I speak that in the middle of a song. But for the most part, I just want to create an environment for people to come and get healed in the middle. That's my goal. So you're going to you have it all. You're a songwriter, choreographer. Mm. So you're dancing. Mm. So there's a whole um, ministry. I'm not going to call it a show. There's a whole ministry that people get when they come and see you um, um, worship. Because you do um, worship. You worship in dance and in song. Talk about the dance part. Oh, okay. Well, the dance part I've been doing since I was the child at the, at the family doing it. They'd be like, go get Kiana. She can dance. She can do all the dances. You know, I was a little kid. They'd be like, go Kiana. Well, they used to call me Key. key. Go, my great-grandma. Key, go Key, go Key. So I was that child um, growing up. And even in school, I was that person that people would come to and be like, you saw the next that video? Can you do that dance? Show us that dance. So I, I always knew I could dance, but I never got the opportunity to do like everybody else, go to Juilliard or go to, I never took ballet classes or, you know, growing up as a child, as a very young baby, my mom had us in ballet, like real jobs. I might've been five, then she pulled us out. So I never had that ongoing formal training I don't have a degree, nothing, um, but I could just go and dance. I just always could just dance. Um, and one day um, I decided to go and see how I measure up, right? Against people in the industry. So I did a showcase with a very popular dancer, choreographer named Fatima, and I did one, it was a workshop, and I did one with another guy named Devon Stevens. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to see, you know, if I even, you know, because you just don't know, um, before I start teaching people how to dance, because I wanted to start teaching people how to dance, I wanted to see if I was going to qualify because I never had anything formal. I went, and the one with one of the artists was actually for a tour. And so I went and he was um, getting like 15 people to go on a tour. It was a B2K tour. I don't know I'm dating myself, but I don't know if it was a B2K. So it was like a B2K tour. It was a Sprite tour with Jabu. Some different people. Wait a minute, I'm mixing. You know, that was a different opportunity. I'm sorry. You know, this was a tour with people like Puffy's people. So it was like Usher and people like that. I'm mixing. I'm sorry. So anyway, with that, so they auditioned. It was hundreds of people. And out of hundreds of people, I got chosen. And so when I got up to the front, I was I was surprised because I didn't plan on going before. I didn't believe the people that they were um, supporting. Um, it was like Usher. It was Jay Z. It was yeah. It was Jay Z. It was those people. 
And so when I got up to the front, when they were asking for your name and stuff, and they were saying, you got selected, I, I, you're one of the 15. I said, well, who's on the tour? And when they told me who it was, I was like, well, I'm sorry, I can't support that. They were like, you can't support it. You just did a full audition. I said, well, I understand that. I said, but I don't believe in the people who are on the tour, so I can't support it. And I walked. So I realized that day that I had something to offer. So I started teaching some adults that I knew, some dancing, and started kind of trying to put together a dance crew because I always wanted to be a part of like just a crew of people who just dance. And I just started teaching from there, but I didn't have anything formal. I just did it. How, how important do you think of, um, of a difference that that has made in your life to, to have what I call the gift of knowing when to walk away? And I say that because you have so many artists that are so driven and trying to make it to where anything that presents itself, they'll jump on it. They'll they'll yeah. quickly bend their morals, their standards, because they just want success and they're tired of waiting. So you know, like, what? How do you speak to them? Like, how important? Not just artists. Yes. Yeah. All right. I can't answer that question without telling a little story. I'll try to be quick. Me and my um, sister, when we were in the group, the secular group, we were connected with some people who also managed boys to men. So we wanted them to manage us as well. And so they said, well, if you want to audition, I'm going to send you some tickets to the boys the next concert in your area. They'll be down there. And you go and you audition for my boys because they were managing boys to men at the time. And if they like you, then I'll consider managing you. So we went. We had front row tickets. Afterwards, we went and met boys to men. We sung. And then they invited us to a basketball game that they were playing at a school they were opening up for them after the concert. They were real nice guys. We went. Well, in that transition, I saw two girls that went to high school with me that had a group that had been working on getting the industry for the longest. And they had, you know, a little, a little music out and they could sing. And I saw them and I saw Mike, a voice and men, have a, a, a short interaction with them. It was very brief. It wasn't nothing. And so when we got to the gym, I was sitting there talking to Mike, a voice and men. And he, I asked him, I said, those two girls that you were talking to, like, who are they? And you know what he said to me? He said, they groupies. He said, all they do is hop from place to place, trying to get ahead, you know, basically using their bodies. And when he said that to me, he stuck with me. And I was like, wow. Now, I grew up with these girls. I knew exactly who they were. I didn't let them know I knew who they were. But in my mind, I said to myself, I don't never want to be look, I don't ever want to look like that. I don't never want to be seen like that. I'm not ever gonna be on nobody like that. And so for me, standing was not a, it was the only option. Because as we begin to navigate that secular industry before we quit, we saw that over. And over again, that if you didn't stand for women in the industry, they were gonna pimp you and throw you away. And I said to myself from that day, like, I'ma stand. If I don't believe in it, I'm not doing it. And then when I got saved, of course, and recommitted my life, that thing just got stronger in me. Like, don't fall for the hope world. Don't be trying to go be doing everything up in everybody's face. I met a lot of people, I met a lot of famous artists, but I always hate it. Like, I go sit on the other side of the room, like, I, because my big thing was, I don't ever want to look desperate like that. So it translated into everything I did. If I don't believe in you, if I don't support your music, I don't want my voice in there. And I, and I just, that's just how it was. Like, I just didn't want to look like that. It's good. It's good. Well, well, is there anything that you'd like to say before we finish this interview? I would like to say to you, I, I had to walk away. I just threw Pastor under the bus. I'm just telling everybody. I got a little emotional <laughs> interviewing you, and I had to get up and walk away. Because oh. I didn't want to just cry because I'm proud of you. I watched your journey. I watched the pain. I watched the growth. Um with, I just everything that you went through, uh, your pastors kind of go on that ride with you. Yes. And so, just to see you here looking the way that you look tonight, 
remembering the pain, the depression, the hurt, the broken places. Um, we want to say we're proud of you. I'm very proud of you. Um, and thank you. Thank you for being one that can listen. And so there's nothing but success. I think um, next year, this time, I've already said we will be having celebrating your Stella. And I received that. <laughs> Unapologetically, because when you know you work hard for something, God will, you know, we can't beat his giving. So, and I pray that you'll always have those um, morals. That is my prayer. Always have those morals and those standards. And there's nothing that God cannot and will not do. So talk to us and tell us what you want people to know about you as we get ready to close. Oh, man. What I want people to know about me. Oh, what I want people to know about me is that. Um, I didn't get here on my own. So if you think that you can get to where you need to get by yourself, um, isolated, it's not going to work. You need people. You need a tribe. You need people who support you, who love you, but love you enough to tell you the truth. And when you have that and you have that accountability, there's nothing you can't accomplish within God. But you got to be willing to listen. And that is how I am. Making it is <laughs> how I am navigating this terrain. Is accountability, love, pure, genuine love from people. Nobody's perfect, but when they love you, you know they love you, and that's what I had. And so my prayer for you is that you open your heart and your ears to the people around you who love you. Um, be all right with accountability, but always stand for God and stand for truth. And that is what I want people to know about me. I stand all day. All day. All day. All day. Unapologetic. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Miss Kiana Cruz, uh, and much, much, much success. And I know we're going to hear your name for many, many, many years to come. Thank you for transformation of a nation during the pandemic. I mean, there's not a lot of people that say they're independent artists that can go and become um in the top 100 billboard unless god is on their side come on so i'm so we are so proud of you and so thank everyone for watching tonight this has been transformation of a nation with miss kiana crew and pastor nick travis with me tonight so tune in next week next wednesday and we will see you more we go. Before we go, can we find out where oh, yes. we find you on social yes. media handles and what can we purchase your music or hear your music? Oh man, um, you can purchase it at uh, tianamusic.com. You can get a CD copy there. Um, also, you can go to a link that will take you to a download. You can also go to my Instagram at Kiana Music, and in my bio, you can go to the link which I need to put back up there, and you can also download the music. Thank you all so much. I love you all. We love you, too. We love you. All right. Again, this has been Transformation of a Nation. Thank you, and we will tune in next week on Wednesday, 7 o'clock. God bless Mr. Bless. Kiana Crew. All right. We're tuning in. Thank you for tuning. All right.